among people who don't know the Lord. Are, is our life, how we are conducting ourselves, turning them off to an opportunity to share the gospel? Uh, Paul tells us that we need to evaluate our life and, uh, and then also our language needs to be seasoned with salt. Uh, we need to, our, our words need to add flavor, add, add life to the conversation. So that was in Colossians chapter two, 4, verses 2 through 7. And then uh, last week we looked at uh, what matters most. If God's going to use us to uh, bring others to Christ, if people are going to be attracted to our message We need to be people of love. Jesus said, uh, a new commandment, John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now the old commandment was, as you love yourself. But the new commandment is, you love one another as I have loved you. And that may sound very simple, and it is, but it is also very demanding. And uh, and so we looked at that last week. We need to be people of love. And not just loving one another in the faith, you know, loving our friends and family here at the church. That's easy to do. Well, sometimes it's easy. But it also means loving our enemies. Uh, Jesus loved even those who were nailing him to a cross. Jesus was dying for them. Jesus asked that the Father would forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. And so that's a supernatural kind of love. None of us can do that in the flesh. And we need to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have, The Holy Spirit needs to... Um, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16 this morning and talking about light. Matthew chapter 5. These are Jesus' words. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Man, man, that's intimidating when I read those words. Because Jesus says in the book of John, Jesus says, I, that He is the light of the world. Now we can, we can identify Jesus as the light. Yeah, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, Jesus is the light that has come into uh, our darkness. But here in this passage of scripture, 
Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. How are we going to be that light if Jesus is that light? Jesus is telling us that your light, Russell, your light is significant. Your light matters. Mike, your light matters. It is significant. D.L. Moody told this story many years ago. A famous preacher. Uh, D.L. Moody talked about a shipwreck that took place in the Cleveland Harbor. And uh, one night, it was a stormy night, and the the ship was trying to, it was watching the, the lighthouse, and it was trying to make its way into the channel that go, guides the ship into the, to the harbor. And the captain was looking at the lighthouse and uh, was concerned and asked the pilot, do you see the lighthouse? The pilot says, yes, I do. And the captain says, well, I don't see, I don't see the lower lights, uh, near the lighthouse. And the pilot said, they've gone out. And the captain begins to panic and asks the pilot, well, can you, uh, can you get this, this ship into the harbor without those lower lights burning? And the pilot said, we have to, captain. And as the, the, the pilot was, um, trying to steer this ship into, uh, into the harbor without those two lower lights, that ship ran shipwrecked. And many men lost their lives. See, because the, the pilot of these ships, those two lower lights were really important. Because those two lower lights had to be in alignment with each other as they were looking at the um, uh, the lighthouse. Those two lower lights had to be in alignment. And if they weren't in alignment, they, that ship was not going to be able to go through that channel into the harbor. Church, we are, you are the lower light. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are the lower lights. While um, D.L. Moody was uh, preaching that message and heard that story, this um, inspired him to write a hymn. Now, we're not going to sing that hymn this morning, but the title of that, that hymn is Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. Maybe you're familiar with it, but uh, this is the first stanza of uh, that hymn. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from His lighthouse evermore. But to us He gives the keeping on the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning. Send a gleam across the wave. Some poor, fainting, struggling seaman you may rescue, you may save. Folks, we are the lower lights. We're going to be looking at the significance of light this morning and the fact that 
that Jesus wants to use us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, Paul says this, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We are to reflect. We are to uh, reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And as we look into Jesus' face, as we're spending time with Him, as we're dependent on Him, as we're walking with Him, God is using us to be those lower lights. And these lower lights must continually be burning. The world is full of darkness and the world needs Jesus' light and he needs your light. You know, light brings comfort. Um, it, it drives out the fear. Light drives out the darkness. I was uh, walking with my granddaughter Friday night. Uh, she, for some time, has wanted to walk with her pa around the block. Now, uh, yes, I'm walking again, and so you're going to be watching me shrink again. But uh, she went walking with me on Friday night, and uh, this walk is about three and a half miles. She's eight years old, so that's quite a distance. It took us forever to get around the block. <laughs> We had to stop at the new park so that she could play. We had to stop at the corner market and get a hot chocolate. <laughs> she had to rest at the stop sign, sit on the, the uh, sidewalk and drink her hot chocolate. <laughs> get her energy to uh, keep going. But we made it. About two hours later, we made it. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was very interesting. There's some dark places on that walk. And uh, one of those dark places was where I fell and cut my chin a couple couple years ago. But uh, it was funny during the while we were walking in the dark spots, she wanted to hold my hand. And how special was that? That uh, we got to hold hands. But as soon as we got to a lamplight, you know, street light, she was good and she let go of my hand. But as long as it was dark and she couldn't see where we were going, she wanted to hold Pa's hand. Church, we are the light. And there are people who are going through some uh, scary times in their life. And we need to be that light, that, that word of encouragement, um, that, you know, that we're, we're praying for them. We're there for them. You know, that light, uh, is to make a difference in other people's lives. Have you ever been in this building with all the lights off? Yeah. Some of you are nodding. Yeah. Uh, Mindy and Ryan are up here on the front row. They were in the building, uh, this week with all the lights off. And Ryan saw that scarecrow out in the dining hall. <laughs> and he was ready to punch out that scarecrow. Uh, he thought that was a real life person. But, uh, 
yeah, this building can be an intimidating place. And thankfully, we have exit signs uh, throughout the building that help guide the way. But if it weren't for those exit signs, I would have a hard time getting around this building. I want, I want to turn the lights off for a moment, okay? And uh, sound guys, we're going to turn the lights off on you guys in the back as well. But uh, I just want us to sit in the darkness uh, for a little bit. Yeah, we need to turn all, all the lights off. Yeah, let's turn the sound booth lights off too. That's along the wall. So it's not real dark. I don't know if you can black out the TV, the projectors, Patrick. Can you black out the projectors? <laughs> well, that's not good enough. That's all right. <clears throat> But light, light is comforting. You know, without light, yes, we are very, we get fearful and we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do next. But if there's, there's some light, we, we can make our way to the destination that we are trying to get to. Church, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. When we see that light in the midst of darkness, our eyes are automatically drawn to that light. You might not think that you're making a difference with the people that you associate with who, who don't know the Lord. But I want you to know that they notice your light. But understand this. Only God can draw people to the light. Yes, you are the light of the world. And your light influences and your light um, brings some peace some uh, some warmth, some security. But understand, if those around you who don't know Jesus are going to come to know Christ, it's not going to be because of you. Don't put the pressure upon yourself that you must lead this person to Christ. It's only the Spirit of God... That draws them to the Father. John chapter 6 verse 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So understand, people notice you. Now, not everybody likes you. Not everybody likes the light. Some people love the darkness. And your presence offends them and they hate the light. They would rather be in the darkness. Jesus says this in John chapter 3. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So just understand, Christian, that not everyone is going to light you because some people just love the darkness. But that doesn't mean your life isn't making a difference. We notice the light. We are watching the light. And for people who hate you, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, don't hide your light. Don't be ashamed of your light. Put it on a pedestal for everyone to see. But don't be obnoxious about your light. Okay? Don't go, I'm not, not going to shine it in your face or in your eyes or anything. But, you know, don't be obnoxious about your faith. Just put it on a pedestal for all to see. I like what Francis Assisi said. He says this, All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Now there's still a lot of light in this room. But I don't care how dark this room could get. That darkness cannot extinguish that light. And your light is not going to be extinguished either. Don't be ashamed of the influence of the light that's in your heart in the person of Jesus Christ. You reflect the Son of God. You reflect His glory. You testify of who God is in your light. Let's go ahead and turn the lights back on. There's one individual in our church um, that, you know, he has gone to places of darkness. You know, he, I'm sure he, he walks, he, he works in places of darkness. But he is not an individual who hides his light. He's excited about who God is in his life, and he's not afraid to share. And so Fred Henderson, we've asked Fred to come up this morning and uh, share what God is doing and how he's, how he's shining his life light, light in his workplace. Please welcome Fred. Morning, church. So I've shared my testimony with you all before. Um, I came to know the Lord when I was seven, and my dad went from a radical um, heathen to an on-fire-for-the-Lord Christian, and he brought the family along with him. And so from about the time I was seven till you know, went off to school, we were in the Word. My older sister, Deborah, was totally sold out um, in the Word, active Christian life. And then so you can imagine... Um, and that meant everything. That meant, you know, being a witness to the loss, praying that God would send a a God-fearing, God-loving person for us to marry someday, which we would hope for all of our kids. So you can imagine 
how crushed my family and I and I was when um, my sophomore year in college, my sister um, said she had fallen in love with this guy she worked with. His name was Greg, and he was an unbeliever. And I mean, he was basically not only an unbeliever, but he was. He said he told people he was atheist, but basically he was really agnostic. But the reason he said atheist is. When you say you're an atheist, it's like it shut the door to Christians right away. They wouldn't even try. Versus an agnostic, then it's like, oh, well, I can give you proof. Let me give you my testimony. And his his term with Christian men was he thought they were just wimps and didn't know how to enjoy life and really were, were harnessed. Um, that was the light he wanted to run away from. And they, they end up getting married and... And um, so my family and I, we, of course, we were against it, but and against her relationship with this unbeliever. But he was a very materialistic guy. But we prayed for him. We prayed for Greg, and and Deborah prayed for Greg. And Deborah had all of her small groups, all of her fellow Christian women, constantly praying for Greg. And um, Step by step. So he, he, when the kids came along, Julian Grayson, he started going to church with her. But he was, in his testimony, he was like, I just went to show the happy face. He goes, I wasn't sold out on it. And then the more Christian that came into his life, little by little, one day he just said it clicked. And he just went up and told Deborah, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior today. I'm with him. And so from a complete materialistic guy who it was just, he was all about a bigger house, a better car, and he owned it all. He, he's a very successful, brilliant guy, millionaire. He's, the Porsches, the, the yachts, he, they, they've done all that. And then he, when he started living his life for the Lord and using his research for the Lord, it was just a complete transformation. Only Jesus Christ can do this, church. And so... The video we're going to play is from the Issachar Foundation, which is a foundation to reach the lost people groups in the world for Jesus Christ. And Greg's heavily involved in that. He's gone on foreign missions to Thailand, um, a lot like our John, um, to, to rescue women from um, prostitution, human trafficking. They've got an active ministry um, in Myanmar as well. So... So um, play this video, and, and thank you very much. Um, got uh, very involved. My name is Greg Buckingham. I'm a local businessman, and um, I was not raised in the church, had no missions or ministry background for most of my life. And 12 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. And since that time, I, I uh, gravitated towards outreach then gravitated towards short-term trips to Mexico from California, did a little of that, and then um, got uh, very involved on the outreach team at church and um, was involved with Katrina and, uh, you know, went there um, with my carry-on bag for a day and a half and came back ten weeks later. And so I think God really uh, used Katrina to change my uh my life for the kingdom, and that was a big stepping point. And then after that, I got asked to go to uh, finish the task meeting in Richmond. And at that point, I learned, you know, many different ministries and opportunities and was challenged um, after that event to take an unreached people group. And I was asked to take a uh, group called the Rumai Palong 
in Myanmar, and I started to investigate who the Rumai Plong were, where they were, and I found out that Myanmar was one of the uh, least free countries in the world. It was a dictatorship. Uh, the place was difficult to get to. Uh, that, um, to our knowledge, nobody had gone. And so we started to put together a plan, and I'll have to tell you that um, it was uh, very, um, very scary. You know, it, it's one thing to go with a with a group across the border to Mexico. It's another to go around the world to a place that you find is a very, very uh, challenging place to go. And uh, several times I thought that I was going to um, back out, but God put some um, people in my pathway that confirmed that, no, I was the one that was going to go. You know, we were very fortunate that some people had... Um, prepared the Jesus film for us on our first trip as we headed to Lashio and and we went up to um, a house and to show the Jesus film and it's really amazing it's like acts it's like seeing the first people ever in the history of our region in the world for over 2,000 years to ever come to Christ and I just, I just don't know how you can experience anything greater than that. And, you know, at one time, you know, I thought it was the next car or the next restaurant or the next vacation. But, you know, those things are going to be gone, and this will be generational. I mean, it's not even just about the people that accepted Christ. It's what about their children and their friends? And as they go to areas that we can't even go, I mean, it, it, it's gonna it's gonna endure time. Many people have asked me over over, over the last years, you know, how'd you go about that? And, and you know, I remember um, during the initial um, conference, um, there was a section in there that said, "Develop a burden for your people group," and I'm like, "What's that?" You know, I had really no idea what that was like. And, uh, but I think after, after you go, you develop a burden. And, uh, and you understand as you engage with the people and, and the wonderful opportunity that you're given. I would encourage you to select a group, take a survey trip, find a partner, and to encourage each other through the process as you develop your team. God will do everything that you need if if you just take action. And I encourage you to take action. Only God can do that. Don't try to put the pressure on yourself to make that person to convince that person to cross that threshold of faith. You are the light, and only the Father can draw people to the light of Jesus Christ. And so you continue to be faithful in your witness. How, I want to share one more video. I uh, didn't, uh, I was planning this video before Fred uh, emailed me about the video he wanted to share, but uh, still it's worth watching this. It's a roundtable discussion between Tim Keller and uh, John Piper primarily and D.A. Carson. But they're talking about being an influence in a changing culture. And um, 
And so I just want, it's about five minutes long. I just want you to be encouraged by their words. So let's turn the lights off and let's show this next video. And is to disciple people for their public lives. In other words, it's my job as a pastor to convert people. And I will put in, I'll put in a plug here. I now realize that the best way for me to, to transform, for me as a preacher and a leader of a church to transform society, is to create thoughtful disciples who don't uh, seal off their public life mm-hmm. from their faith. Mm-hmm. That way they are thinking out the implications of their faith for their public mm-hmm. life. That is not something that when I, I think in the beginning I knew much about. I had a tendency to teach people about things that I knew about. So I would want to teach them how to share their faith because I knew how to do that, how to study the Bible, I knew how to do that. As soon as I got into the areas where people were saying, I'm a Christian, I run my own business, I've got some questions about what it means to be a Christian and run my business, I didn't want to go there because I didn't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that would have been more of a... Uh, a relation, uh, almost an egalitarian relationship in which you're bringing some of your wisdom, I'm bringing what the Bible says, we're trying to figure out the wisdom of it. Uh, I was trained to disciple people in a much more one-way direction, from me to you, not from me to you, then you back to me, then that helps me understand your world better than me back. So I think that area of discipleship and, and discipling people for how to integrate their faith with their work is right, and therefore, I think that James, my friend James Hunter, is right when he says the way to transform culture is faithful presence, which is you pr- you uh, produce disciples who are not out there trying to turn society into a Christian society so much as simply being uh, present in all the institutions, present in every area of of social life, and being faithful in where they are, and that will have an impact. I don't even know what that impact will be exactly. I'm not totally sure what will happen. I, right. I don't have an agenda. Here's what right. a, a Christian society looks like. I know if I fill the society with yeah. disciple, well-discipled people, that will have an impact. Right. And in that sense, I'm a, I think I'm a little, well, actually what you were saying, a little, I fine-tuned my understanding. But it, actually, this morning I asked my wife, have my views changed on Christ and culture since seminary? She said no. So that's why I, yeah. I will just say, yeah. no, basically they haven't. So, so re-say what you, what you just said in, in different words and see if this is right. Cause I think Can we turn that up a little, James? To the folks. When, when, we, when we send them out to live their Christian lives in the vocations and professions, structures that they're in, being Christian, what we're saying is um, don't fret over whether you succeed in turning this structure into a Christian structure. Right. Speak a witness. Speak the truth. In every board meeting, say what needs to be said from the standpoint of truth. And God may or may not come down in that witness moment and anoint it with success, anoint it with transform- transformative power. If He does, praise be to Him. If He doesn't, you have been faithful. That's what faithful yes. witness, faithful yes. presence and, and I, you know, as a pastor, my job is when people come and say, well, what would a word like that actually sound like? What should I actually say? What would be not, what would be too much, too little? That's the sort of thing that we have to develop wisdom over. And that's what I, I want to walk with my people, uh, by suggesting things and having them say, I did this and this is what happened. So, yes, absolutely. I actually do think that the key to cultural transformation is how we make our disciples and make sure that they're agents of reconciliation, that is racial reconciliation, that they're agents of 
basically loving their neighbor, Good Samaritan-like, that they that they are in general out there trying to to uh, create a just world simply as as Christians and citizens, but not trying necessarily to. In other words, I always say agents of truth. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying and of not hey, you, you open your mouth and you let people know you believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're working for to make the neighborhood a good place for your neighbors to live, whether they believe like you do or not. If you do both of those things as individual Christians, not necessarily as a mm-hmm. as a representative of a Redeemer Presbyterian Church, not officially, but just as individual Christians, it's going to have an impact. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just one concrete example. Um, of, what do you say? There was a conflict some years ago in the public schools. They were handing out condoms, Minneapolis, to the teenagers in the junior high school. And, the, and a mom, when her parents gathering, she said, what, what should I do? I said, what you should do is stand up and say what you believe and yeah. why you believe it. You don't need to, to figure out some big way to control the public schools and make it not happen here. You'd like it not right. to happen, but God is going to hold you responsible. Stand up and say, and you may find many other parents believe what you believe. They are thankful for your courage, and something may happen that would bring some sanity in this situation. But, but her job at that moment was not to figure out how to fix the public schools, because that paralyzes you. Her job was bear witness, bear witness to the truth, let the chips fall where they will. You are the light of the world. And we reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And it is our responsibility, we have a responsibility to be that lower light that continues to burn and not go out. People are watching us. People, some people are attracted to your light. People find comfort in your light. Other people, they don't like you. But again, it is our responsibility to love them nevertheless. Whatever we can do to serve them, we need to be faithful in our witness and just let our light shine. So if you're the only Christian on your sports team, you are a light to your teammates. If you're the only nurse within your hospital um, um, uh, area unit, you are a light. If you're the only Christian in your work group, you are a light. Be faithful in your witness. You are the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, may we take... Uh, Jesus' words seriously in our lives. Lord, as we prepare and and go back to work tomorrow, may, uh, God, we take these words to heart that, uh, that Jesus, you tell us that we are the light of the world. And some here are in a very dark place. They, they have no uh, physical support whatsoever in the in the places that Lord that you have sent them. 
and they're discouraged. And they feel um, defeated and as if their life isn't making a difference. God, you know exactly where they're at. And you have sent them to that place to be a light. And so God, I pray that you would just give them strength in their walk with you. That God, that they would cry out and say, God, use me. Uh, God, open doors for my one that I might be able to share a gospel witness. If I'm describing you this morning, would you just express your heart to the Lord this morning? In a couple weeks, or just about nine days from now, we are going to have an opportunity to be the light of Ridgecrest on October 31st. Are you signed up to help to participate? We need everyone in this place to be doing something. You don't have to do it for the entire time, but I just want to encourage you to make a sacrifice and and to serve and be a light to many in our community that are going to be on our campus. If you're comfortable in sharing the gospel, and and uh, we have we have. Uh, need or volunteers for the gospel bracelet ministry. Uh, children are going to be um, quoting scripture verses back to people, giving out candy bars. Some of those children are wanting, going to want to know more information about Jesus and what Jesus has done for them. If you'd like to be one of those evangelists, who can just share your 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 story and the gospel message? We could use you on October thirty first. But God wants to use our church to make His light shine brightly. I want to encourage you to take a step and get involved in Harvest Festival this year. But Father, I thank you for. Um, the light that's in our heart. May we not be ashamed of it. May we not try to cover it up. But God, may we just trust you as you put us on display. That people might be drawn to you. That we might be able to share that that word, that witness of who Jesus you are in our life. Thank you, Father, for this very important truth. Help us to be that lower light that is constantly shining. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.